2: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash loss. That's plushcare.com slash loss.
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of A Little More Good. So glad that you have tuned in to this episode on this day. Wherever you are, whoever
3: you are, thanks for being with us. Zach, how are you doing today? Good, good. Woke we'll up today, and uh, for those listening... Today was the World Cup in in real time, and uh, went to our friend uh, Tim's uh, the Sanctuary Cafe to yeah. watch the game, and it was one for the ages. Oh my goodness! Yes, I know. Like not everyone is like
1: you know sports ball fans, but soccer is the kind of game that like unites the world, and I feel like this match between France and Argentina was honestly one that people will talk about forever.
3: as long as soccer is being played people will talk about this match apparently two billion people watch too yeah which is like one quarter of the whole planet so like when we talk you know there's so much that has divided us it is incredible that something like sport can unite two billion people to be sharing that experience yes yeah so
1: pretty it was pretty pretty amazing
3: it's just beautiful to
1: see like i don't know even after the last few years we've had like a, a full stadium mm-hmm. and people like celebrating and just the the drama of sport you know Argentina looked like they were kind of uh, had the game in hand in the first half and you got to play the game we yep. came came down to it and it was yeah France pushed hard and anyway it's just amazing yeah definitely an amazing there we go game there we go the a beautiful little, a little world
3: cup for all you sports fans <laughs> out there <laughs> that's right so this week, uh, you know, we did talk a little fitness. We talked activism, veganism, um, anxiety, manifestation, sobriety, and finding um, finding your true roots. Mm-hmm. In this case, finding your indigenous family. Um, great conversation with our friend Ashley Chisholm. Many know her as fit and compassionate on Instagram. Always sharing the goodness. Yeah. So yeah, it was a really well-rounded, um, great conversation where we we went into all sorts of, of corners of of you know human exploration and interest. So it was a great one.
1: It was very good. Yeah, Ashley, someone too, and she talks about it on the podcast. Who even the act of coming together and sitting down to have this conversation recorded in podcast format was something that is outside of or at the very edge of her comfort zone. Um, And so it was really, really an honor to be able to speak with her and have her share her, her story and just be open to talk about the things that, you know, have caused her stress and anxiety in the past and even in this current moment, but how she is using all of the tools in her proverbial tool belt to help her just continue to grow and develop as a person and I really think that that's like a shining example because lots of times we listen to podcasts and we hear people who are like eloquent and they're professional speakers and they can just you know go on and on and on and we're like oh I could never do that but when you hear a real and raw conversation with someone who's like yeah this is me like I have these you know anxieties or things but here I am doing it anyway it makes it so much more powerful for like just the rest of us and so I really think for me I was like that's such a good takeaway. I'm so glad that she shared that and yeah, shares that through her through her Instagram and everything and, and makes it okay for people and gives people
3: encouragement to take those steps forward. I'm always inspired by that too by pe- when people you know lead with their vulnerability in a way, I think mm-hmm. it opens doors for all of us to have a seat, you know. If if someone can has the courage and strength and bravery to to lead with the the their vulnerability, vulnerability, there's so much power in that that I think it allows all of us to kind of go into our, our own corners and and allows us to be vulnerable with our own truths. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, it so, is. So Ashley kind of shines those lights not not only for herself but for for many. Exactly, and, and she does it on the daily on her Instagram. I think it, she keeps it real. Um, a lot of people, you know, make their Instagrams all about the pretty pictures, but she's always sharing all the truths. So Yeah. It's a good one for those truth seekers out there. It's true. Yes, yes, yes. And kind of um echoing some of our conversation with Ashley, uh Solomon Solomon Running released such a cool video this past week called Dear Rich with our hero Rich Roll. What did you think, Dino?
1: Oh, well, it was awesome. It was so good. I saw uh on his ig and stuff he posted about it and then knew that i wasn't gonna have the chance when i saw that it was about 15 minutes or so to um to sit down and just like watch it so i waited till that evening till you know all the all the kids were were snug in bed and then just pulled it up on the on the tv and uh watched it and it was so awesome it was just so well done the, the the footage the filming I mean shout out and credit to the crew who who captured all the images and kind of edited it and put it together the beauty the aesthetic of it is so good the story that Rich tells just about himself his own his own journey through with running with finding purpose and you know his own struggles of addiction that he's been very open with it's just been it was incredible and then there was this really really cool moment that happened
3: Yes. Share
1: us. Share share us this moment. So I'm sitting there watching and just like really enjoying it. All of a sudden, we see a cut to a picture of a book. What book, Dean? Oh, the book that was written by none other than our friend Sean Hamilton. Running through the woods, the river, gentle on my mind. It's just so perfect. It's right there on the screen for like a good two seconds, two, three seconds, which is like a lot of real estate in like a 15-minute, you know, kind of video piece. And it was so cool because... We had the pleasure of sitting down and interviewing Rich Roll at the Planted Expo. And, you know, our friend Sean, we had had him on the pod before and also a fan of Rich. He had written this book and, and given us a few copies. And we were just like, if we can get a chance, we're going to give one to Rich. Because Zach and I were both like, he's going to love this. It's beautiful poetry. It's beautiful writing. All about Sean's time um, up in this remote area. Just kind of like running and take taking daily journals of the run and, and writing beautiful poetry about it. And so we were like, Rich would love this. We gave it to him. And uh, just before he was on his way to the airport, our friend Stephen slipped him the copy of the book. And then lo and behold, it turns up in this Dear Rich little mini doc by Solomon. And uh, I was just like, oh, that is the coolest thing ever right away. Like screenshotted it, sent it to Sean and Zach in a group message. I was like, I'm
3: losing it. <laughs> it was so good. Yeah, that was so cool. Uh, Sean's book is uh, standalone, just such an incredible piece of writing. And just reflecting on that, dear Rich, YouTube little doc, uh, it's so cool. I think, like growing up, all of my heroes were athletes. They're my heroes because of what they did, not because of who they were. And Rich Roll's one of my first heroes of. of being a hero of mine because of who he is, not because of what he's accomplished, and yes. it's it's so cool to to have a role model like that. Mm-hmm. So shout out to Rich, shout out to Solomon, shout out to Sean Hamilton, and uh, yeah. Before we uh, roll over to our conversation with Ashley, let's uh, talk about this week's sponsor. All right. So I get this question a lot: if I could just have one supplement, one uh, superfood one thing that I add to my smoothies or my drinks or my daily habit, what would it be? It's it's a question I get asked all the time because I'm always, you know, talking about all the supplements and superfoods and all these things that I'm always experimenting with. Hands down, AG1 by Athletic Greens. This is my my one-stop shop for, for wellness. It's kind of got, I used to kind of combine all these things myself, add all my greens, add all my mushrooms, all, add all my probiotics, but AG1 does it for you promotes gut health, supports immunity, boosts energy, helps recovery. It's got 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, and whole food source nutrients. Uh, it's kind of got it all in one scoop, so it's the best way to start your day. I love it. It's easy. One, two, three. little scoop and a shake. Shake and awake. What do you think, Dean? How's your, how's your AG1 been?
1: Yeah, so. I started taking it just because similar. I wanted that one one-stop shop for everything you need, probiotics, vitamins, minerals. It's just so easy. It's one scoop in the little bottle they give they send you and away you go and you're feeling good. It's, uh, it's such an easy investment in your health to do. and uh, we want to share the love. We want to make it easy for you as well. And in order to do so, athletic Greens is going to give you uh, a free one year supply of immune supporting vitamin D and 5 free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com/more good. That is athleticgreens.com slash more good to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. So get after it, friends. You're going to love it. Let's go.
3: All right. All right. Welcome back to another week of A Little More Good. i sitting here with our friend, Ashley Chisholm.
2: Hello. Welcome,
3: yeah. welcome Ashley. We're super excited for this conversation. First met you, Ashley, during our, our food truck days.
2: Yes, it's when I worked at Lamplighter, and you were parked across the street. Yeah, and I'd get my daily smoothies, and I don't know how long ago that was—like eight years or something. Like even more. Yeah.
3: Like ten years ago. Yeah. With our loud generator, when we first when we first <laughs> yeah. got that spot, Lamplighter, and everybody else complained about our generator. Really, they wanted us out of the neighborhood. What? But oh, the
2: smoothies are so good. But
3: eventually people welcomed us once yeah. they once they start having our juices and yeah, smoothies as and they should. We as became they should part of the, the community. Yeah. yeah. But I I remember you were one of our, our, our daily regulars for the for the smoothies and the juices. I
2: was. I was
3: so you came on into our into our circle, into our life at that point and Followed you on Instagram and was quickly inspired by your your activism and your veganism and and just how you transparently share all of your your um, the path that you walk in life, exploring your your vulnerabilities and and your goals and your challenges. and I've always been very inspired by uh, the path that you've walked and that you've shared. So so thank you for always being an open book and and. For sharing that journey for all of us to be inspired by by the steps that you take.
2: Thank you. You're too nice to me. <laughs> <laughs> and those days were my drinking days. I wasn't even like yeah. fully in the vegan scene. I was still partying. I wasn't very healthy. Just my juice truck smoothies.
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. We, we did a lot of that, the with the balance, the detox, retox kind of lifestyle yeah. in that Gastown Town neighborhood. There's yeah. a lot of that. Kind of industry bars, restaurants yeah. where people would, you know, burn burn the candle at both sides and come to us for a little little balance in their life.
2: Yeah, they're like, oh, this smoothie will it'll solve everything. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
3: well, they say strawberry banana is a
1: gateway smoothie. right? A few of those, and then the next thing you know, you're having a salad for lunch, and you're swapping out your burger for like you know a falafel, the eh. sushi
2: rolls.
3: Do you remember I those? remember.
2: Did they have walnut or something instead of rice? They're my favorite ever.
3: Yeah, those were good. We should bring those back. I think
2: you should. I really think there you was should. almost
1: like a revolution when we got rid of the spring rolls. The spring rolls.
3: Are, <laughs> the spring rolls are coming back. Are they? Okay. Finally,
1: because <laughs> like I I worked at the Juice Truck here season for a while, and it was like I was there when we got rid of them and there were times when i feared for my life fear for my life because like, it was like people were coming to be like where's the spring roll i'm like oh my god wait you got rid of them yeah we were having
3: problems <laughs> with the rolls they're ripping all the time Aww. and then people were mad because they're ripping and then we got rid yeah. of them and then people were mad because we didn't have them they yeah. preferred their ripped spring rolls can't win but anyways we're we're figuring it out and yeah. they are if you're listening to this and you like the spring rolls they're they're coming back they might be out back by the time this podcast there is. You go. and
2: maybe the sushi rolls we'll see yeah,
3: yeah. Maybe, maybe the sushi rolls maybe we should do a smoothie or a sushi roll with you i Call would them. be down okay i'm
2: 100 percent down That'd there
3: we go it's cool. on the record yeah we're gonna do it <laughs> Boom. It is. this is how dreams are born right here around the podcast exactly
1: because <laughs> you're
3: doing a pizza with virtuous pie right
2: okay so we're supposed to but they're pushing it back a year okay but now I am doing a hot dog with Good Dog. Oh, sweet. Yeah. And it's going to be like a hot dog comp- competition.
3: That's amazing.
1: <laughs> like hot- With
2: another vegan. Amazing. Like we're going to make our own hot dog and whoever makes the most sales is the winner. It's the so,
1: hot dog champion. Wow. Yeah. That Good Dog plant food is a joint. It is so good. If you haven't been, you've got to go check them out. The okay. Fun
2: fact. The owner actually worked at Lamplighter. Oh, really? And I was like, I know him. Where do I know him from?
1: Yes. So it's
2: so weird. Lamplighter like brought us together.
1: Full circle. In a weird way. Well, and we met him for the first, well, for the first time in person, like literally just a year ago this weekend. Yeah. Because he came, we did the the live podcast with Rich Roll uh, as part of the Planted Expo. And he was there for that. And we like met, he kind of like walked in early. Cause like one of the side doors was open and he's like, Oh, he's like, I have a ticket. And we're like, Oh, we're not really letting people in. And da-da-da. And he's like, how do I know you? And I'm like, I don't know. And we just started chatting. And then he's like, no, you're from the podcast. <laughs> I was like, Oh yeah. And then uh, he was just like the sweetest dude. So we ended up just yeah. like chatting the whole time. And then this summer I went back and was meeting some friends downtown, but I was early. So I'm like, Oh, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go have a delicious, good dog. And then good same dog. thing I was sitting there, he's looking at me and, I had like cut my hair, so he's like looking. He's like, "How do?" I...? He's like, "Dude, how's your house?" Like, I'm like, "Yeah, it's so good, man. Good to see you again." He's like, "How do I know
3: you?" And I was like, "Rich Roll event podcast." He's like,
0: "Ah." So,
3: anyway, great small world. Yeah, great human being. Yeah, he's there. awesome. There we go. Well, maybe we can. Uh, I want to get into your sobriety and your activism and your veganism, but maybe we can rewind it back to to young Ashley. Um, okay. As, as a as a young lady, um, were you always? creative into the arts compassionate for animals like where did your your compassion um and your activism and your creativity start is that something that was part of your early years or did that develop later on
2: yes it definitely was me from the beginning i was always drawing all the time like i loved drawing and i would cry over bugs being killed i was so sensitive like Everyone bullied me cuz they're like it's just a bug and I'm like no it's a living creature. So I was always like that.
3: Mm, amazing.
1: Yeah. You saw that you saw the value in life. Yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah.
1: That's beautiful. Where did that come from? Do you think was that like something instilled to you from parents? Is that just something that you had
2: um, kind of baked
1: into you? If you could to try and pinpoint it like where where did that value on on life and and all life come in for you?
2: I honestly don't know. I feel like I was just born that way. Yeah cuz like my siblings they love animals but they're never like me. Mm. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well,
1: that's cool.
3: Well, that's special. I think uh you know, obviously we we have lots of plant-based folks on this this episode and uh, on this on this podcast and uh that seems to be like a theme of like a sensitivity for others at a young age. Like if there's a animal mm-hmm. ethics side to it, you know, people that come to it first for for health or other reasons, um, maybe less so, but, um, people like yourself that kind of lead with the, with the animal ethics and the compassion for animals there, there seems to be a thread of like, you know, compassion for, for others and animals at at a young age. All the
2: sensitive people.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But it is interesting. Like, I wonder, you know, thinking back to my own childhood, like I can remember, thinking is like all creatures have value and I remember my parents like saying that right and like oh my, my grandma in particular I remember we were walking through like n- there's something in the middle of Richmond it's called the nature park and it's kind of like this bit of land that's like set aside and they teach you about animals and the different species and I remember going there's elementary school student and my grandma came along with our class and we were learning about like the bog and the whole ecosystem and I remember like there was some weird bug and I just like because I was like scared by it and squished it and my grandma was like whoa she's like how would you feel if some giant came along and just squished you for no reason and I was like and it clicked for me and I was like oh yeah like that's terrible so I remember like as a I was like elementary like kindergarten, probably super young, but I vividly remember, like I can remember the day I remember the, like the mud boots I was wearing. Cause it was like really instilled in me in that moment. Yeah. And I think that a lot of us like have that, but maybe we get bullied or mm-hmm. we see other people like squishing bugs or not caring mm-hmm. or people are afraid of spiders. So they kill them rather than yeah. put them outside. And yeah. that's what's normalized. So we're like, Oh, maybe I'm different.
2: Mm-hmm. And maybe
1: like we all start out more compassionate, but then I feel like, like we do. The bugs are scarier. Yeah. We
2: definitely start that way, I think, before the media and everything brainwashes us.
1: Totally, yeah. And how do we, like, I guess our our goal is, like, how do we maintain that compassion Mm -hmm. and foster that rather than, like, give in to the narrative that's like, yeah, these things aren't worth, you know, bugs aren't worth it, they're just little, we can squish them, who cares? But then that goes up the chain to, like, animals are products or food or things that we can use. Yeah,
2: exactly. I used to work at a preschool. Um, one of my many random jobs. (laughs) Yeah. And I would always teach them to be nice to the bugs. I'm like, this bug has a mommy and a daddy and a family. (laughs) And I feel like I was like, okay, that was my purpose working here. I'm going to spread that compassion even for the littlest things. Totally.
3: Well, I think even reflecting on, on bugs and animals, having families, which, is true we we see things as groups you know like if we're like those ants or those cows we see them as groups and we take away the individual from it but if we Mm -hmm. can get back to seeing those bugs or those animals or those fish as individuals then it's it's much more difficult to just cause blind harm to these individuals it's easier to to see something as a as a group and not as, as one. Um, and I think if we can see it as, as one ant or one cow, um, that has a mother and a father and, and children and all of that, then changes our narrative and our relationship to, to other in, in a way. And, and you can kind of play that out to other people too. Like, you know, if we mm-hmm. can be compassionate to an ant, hopefully we can be compassionate to a stranger, you know?
2: Yeah, yeah. Exactly.
3: So uh, you're sensitive to the bugs, as a, as, yeah, as a wee Ashley. <laughs>
2: and then... So where
3: did, the, where did the veganism start?
2: Well, I saw a PETA video. Yeah. When I was 10 years old, I remember it was like a pig being slaughtered or something. And I was at a sleepover and it was like 2 in the morning because I was like an in insomniac. Mm-hmm. And I woke up my friend. I'm like, you have to watch this. And I was just like crying. And then I told my parents... I was like, I don't want to eat animals.
3: So that's all it took. You saw one video of the truth of the matter, of how how these animals become meat. Yeah. And that influenced you to change the -hmm. trajectory of your whole life, basically.
2: Yeah. I did not stay vegan, though. Okay. Unfortunately. I was, like, living off of veggie burgers, and they were disgusting back then. Like, we have come so far. Yes. Um, and then my parents were like, you're only eating veggie burgers. They didn't know nutrition or anything Yes. like vegan wise. And I didn't know how to cook. So I was like, okay. And then I kind of forgot about it.
3: Yeah. So when did it come back into your life?
2: So I read a book called skinny bitch. Yeah. Do you okay. know it? I remember that
3: one. I you mean, I, di- I didn't read it, but I can picture the title. I remember it was okay. very, it's very like... popular at chapters back in the day.
2: The woman who wrote it, she's, like, straight in your face, like, you're an asshole. Um, Baby chicks get their beaks cut off and, like, all this stuff. And she just is, like, in your face, like, swearing. And I needed that. Mm. And my best friend read it at the same time as me. So we're like, let's go vegetarian. So then we went down that
3: route. And that was was the beginning step. So you went vegetarian and started to become more compassionate.
2: Yes. Yeah, I was super compassionate, but I didn't realize vegetarian wasn't enough.
3: Hmm. I was the same. I went, yeah. I went, I went pescatarian, and then I went vegetarian. And it took me like six years before I went from vegetarian and vegan because I thought, hey, like I'm not killing anything. It and seemed then, so hard. And then when at the I time. re-educated myself and watched the same videos that made me vegetarian, I was like, oh damn, like yeah, the milk industry is like potentially worse than you know.
2: And it's gross. Oh, it's so
3: gross. It's just really
2: gross to think about.
1: What is interesting when you go, when you kind of zoom back, even just using like milk as an example, like we all have, you know, access or most of us have access to like human milk when we're at the stage of our development where that's what we need. And then no other like being continues to consume milk once it's like moved past that kind of like maturation date of like needing that and can start to eat other foods. And yet we not only continue to drink milk but like drink milk from a different species Mm -hmm. and like most people again there's gonna be some that would like take take you up on the offer but most people if you were to offer them a glass of like fresh breast milk from a human they'd be like oh no and they kind of be turned off or like almost repulsed by it but like they'll down cow's milk and i'm like okay cows are all like they're beautiful creatures but also like no thank you like that's kind of gross and it's interesting that like again these perceptions maybe that are are just ingrained and so cultural and traditional and in many aspects of our lives growing up here in the west we just take it for granted like oh well no this is what we do it's been so normalized it's been Mm -hmm. so normalized but it's actually like bizarre yeah (laughs) it (laughs) is imagine (laughs) breastfeeding from a cow you know like that's That's basically what it is nobody would do it yeah well there's always one there's always one or two (laughs) yeah but most people would be like no thank you right But and yet we we do it and then, you know, wonder like foodborne illness and all these things that impact our world as a result of the dietary choices we're making. And it's like we can't see the forest for the trees, which is really interesting. The way we've kind of been, you know, misguided. Yes. But the documentaries, the Mm -hmm. things that are there to expose us, help us to make steps towards acknowledging it, recognizing it and like eventually change in our
3: lives. But it can take time, right? For all of us. took me A long time to kind of transition fully. Mm -hmm. But then you do it. Yeah, that's the thing. I think um, – let me know what you think, Ashley. But when I first went vegan, I got super righteous and yeah. was, like, <laughs> on my soapbox all the time telling people, like, you got to live like this. Like, you're a bad person if you're doing all these things. And it was, like, totally ineffective. People yeah. did not want to listen. I was hurting, hurting people's feelings. I was – and, and maybe those feelings, you know, need to be hurt, but, mm-hmm. uh, it wasn't effective. Like no. I was pushing people away that were close to me yeah. and, uh, it wasn't coming across in a way that was compassionate or welcoming or even like open to conversation. Yeah. Um, when you first went vegan or went vegan for the second time, yeah. did you have that experience where like you were high and mighty at first or are very... you, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you were on the soapbox I with I was me.
2: very angry. I was very angry because like, I don't blame us because like when you see it, you're just like, how are people supporting this? And you just feel so emotional and it like hurts. So I get it, but you can't really get the message across when you're all up in your emotions like Mm -hmm. that.
1: So how did you, how did you transition from that sense of like anger into a place where you could still have those convictions, but like maybe speak to people or encourage people or or be an advocate for you know this this way of living what was like a transition point or how did that kind of go from like oh I'm so mad about how do we not see this to like hey like there's a better alternative there's a better way
2: I kind of distanced myself from activism for a bit and like watching documentaries because I was so like deep in it that's all I cared about so I kind of distanced myself a bit and like reminded myself that people are still good people. Mm. Like I was a good person too before. So I just remind myself that.
1: Yeah, well, that's
3: good. I think that's super important because we're all on our own path and we're all on our, our own journey and it's not to assume where someone's come from or where someone's going cuz like you mentioned we were all meat eaters at one point and it didn't mean we were bad people when we're eating meat. We just hadn't learned about the truth of uh, you know, animal agriculture. Yeah, and um i think if we can be compassionate to all people's journeys it opens possibility for for learning and and even if we can inspire others to eat less meat you know that's a positive a net positive to where they were before yeah um, definitely i've softened in my stances <laughs> over the years yeah.
2: i think every vegan has like that phase of like anger and Just being depressed and hating the world. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes it pops up for me and I'm like, okay, okay. I'll just let myself cry or whatever I need to do and then
3: let it pass. Mm. Because it can be discouraging when you zoom out and see what is happening in the world, whether that's climate change, uh, environmental implications, or just how animals are treated. Um, Mm. Because we have these ideals and it's not necessarily how the world acts you know and and Mm -hmm. it seems obvious like be kind to animals treat the environment with the same respect that you know we would treat our own homes but the world's messy there's capitalism there's Mm -hmm. colonialism there's all these isms that are Mm -hmm. like you know have self-interest so you know it's easy to lose hope that we're on this track but I think if if you look at where the world was where before you went vegan compared to it is now you said you know there wasn't a lot of food options when you first went there's mm-hmm. just these crappy veggie burgers yeah now every single restaurant has vegan options if you go to the grocery store it's like yeah. vegan everything doesn't matter if it's a alternative or a healthy product mm-hmm. there's like it's not hard anymore mm-hmm. and
2: they're amazing
3: <laughs> yes there's no compromise yeah. or sacrifice or you know yeah
2: like the people going vegan now I'm like Congrats. You're lucky. You're really lucky.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You don't know what it was like. Yeah.
2: No, I went through the trenches. Yeah.
3: <laughs> well, I think that's why I went vegetarian, pescatarian at first, because I was like, I don't want to just eat spinach all day. I need some other things. <laughs> like, I didn't, like, one, I didn't have the imagination to, like, know yeah. what you could do with food, because I was, like, a cereal, toast, yeah. smoothie kind of guy. Um, But also there wasn't those alternatives it was totally it was like kind of cardboardy veggie burgers yeah or side salads when you went to restaurants yeah yeah and now the plant-based menus I think are like even more creative and more exciting than uh like the conventional
2: they are yeah 100% I don't know if you were ever into like the fitness world but I was you can't can't tell yeah (laughs) So well, I'm, I can tell. Let me let me take tell. off this
1: chunky sweater.
2: <laughs> I can't tell; it's winter. You guys are wearing sweaters. <laughs> um, that's how I started my Instagram. That's why it's fit and compassionate. Yeah, yeah. I got like super deep into the gym because it helped my anxiety actually. Um, but I was vegetarian because I didn't want to lose the gains. Right, right. And I was like, oh, I need this whey protein. And now I just look and I'm like disgusted. And I'd eat like eggs and the most boring food like bodybuilders eat the most boring food. I'm sorry. But like if you're eating like chicken and broccoli, that's not fun.
1: Yeah. And it like takes away, I think it maybe takes away some of the, well, for sure the creativity of cooking and what's available to us, but it also takes away like the ability to have so many foods that have huge benefits for us in terms of athletic performance we just focus so much on limiting carbohydrates or certain things, sugars, whatever it is. And then making sure we're getting enough protein, which in most circles, even today still just means meat, especially Mm -hmm. when we're talking about like in the gym culture, but focusing on like, there are, there's a diversity of plant foods that will fuel us to be able to reach new like heights and PRs and whatever it is you're looking for, or just maintain and sustain a healthy body. Mm-hmm. And again, it's like, uh, maybe the theme of part of this conversation is just like the misinformation that dominates is like, if you're in the gym and you're lifting, you need whey protein, you need meat and this and milk and yogurt and dairy and all of this stuff, eggs to be raw eggs. Yeah. Yeah. Thank Drink you. Them. Thank you. Rocky. <laughs> right. Like this movie scene is burned in all of our I minds. Know. Like this is how you People become fit. still do that. Oh No doubt. Yeah. And it's wild. <laughs> like it's, it's so unnecessary, but It's what dominates like the the sphere. So how did you find, how did you find like uh, lots of people are still nervous or they're worried about that. If I stop, if I stop eating meat or stop having this protein or these eggs, I'm going to lose out in the gym. I'm going to sacrifice performance or strength. How did, how did you find that when you made the transition to be like fully plant based?
2: So I actually went fully vegan when I saw Sam Shorky. I don't know if you know her. Do you know her? Yeah. Okay. So I saw her and she was a bikini competitor and I had done that, actually. So I really looked up to her, and she's like, yeah, I'm vegan. And I was like, okay, if she can do it, I can do it. Mm. Yeah, so it was all because of her.
3: And what was your experience? So you're having these eggs and this whey protein because you yeah. need the gains. I switched
2: you, to vegan protein.
3: You switched it up. And yeah. You, like, tell us about one. Maybe the all the switches that you did make, so if people are listening and they're like, well, I can't switch from whey and eggs, yeah. uh, maybe walk us through what, what you switched to and just what, what you experienced, like how your body felt, how your mm-hmm. recovery felt, like mm-hmm. how, you know, on a surface level, like how your physique felt, um, all those things through that transition.
2: Well, I switched to tofu scrambles yes. instead of eggs, and now I can't even look at eggs. I'm like, Ugh. I just can't. So tofu scramble... Um, lots of tofu. I don't like tempeh. Kill me, I know. <laughs>
3: <laughs> we won't, we'll I feel let like, you live. Yeah. I
2: feel like it's like a sin in the vegan community.
3: I do love tempeh. But it is, it's more divisive than you think. Like, we, we sell. I uh, only
2: like it when it's in your, uh, your bowl. In our Caesar? Your Caesar, yeah. yeah
3: people, some people find it weird. They're like, what is this, what is this thing yeah. in here?
2: No, it's good in the bowl. Okay. Definitely stand by it.
3: So, tofu scrambles.
2: Um, I think it was a pea protein protein. And, like, back then, it wasn't as good. Obviously, we have way better ones now. Um, Yeah, lots of tofu, lots of veggies, lots of quinoa, because that's high in protein. Oats every day with hemp seed. And, like, I felt so much better.
3: Mm. So... In terms of feeling better, was it your energy? Was it your recovery? Was it your gains? Energy.
2: Yeah. Um. I used to be bloated a lot, and now I have no bloating, so I can eat all the bread. Nice. Very lucky. Mm. <laughs> Heck yes. Yeah.
1: So I think na- that's like the easy target. People are like, "Oh, I'm so bloated. I'll stop yeah. eating carbs." Because that's again like one of the things that's out there. Oh yeah, it makes you bloated or blah blah blah, and so people sacrifice delicious delicious bread I and know. other carbohydrates but it's like it could be
2: it could be eggs it's often eggs that actually. was my
1: that was my thing i was e- before before uh becoming vegan i was eating like four eggs every day in yeah. the morning thinking like yes protein it's mm-hmm. good with like a healthy amount of like it was terrible i would fry them in butter scramble them in butter with mm-hmm. whipping cream because i was kind of like keto so i was that like, is
2: gross oh it's like
1: <laughs> they would glisten like they would be glistening because there's like so much fat in there so I'd be like this is my thing I was having all surprise surprise i having all this trouble with my gut feeling so unhealthy it was like I think I'm like celiac yeah right because I'd have a, I'd have like a piece of toast or whatever and then all of these eggs and all this stuff and be like feeling like garbage I'm like it must be the toast and then so I went to go see a naturopath and they did a food journal and blood drop blah 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 anyway come back and see me so I show my food journal and she's looking over it and she's like oh yeah this is a problem and I'm thinking yep celiac and she's like you gotta stop eating eggs she's like you're telling me you've had like four eggs a day for the last whatever three months she's like your sensitivity to eggs like so high she's like this this is why you're doing this she's like plus all the dairy you gotta cut that out." so i was like oh and then it was like did it so wow so much better same no bloating like it's gone anyway
2: it's oh like better a, skin forgot to mention ooh, that yes, yeah the the better one. skin get that glow yeah Whoa. exactly Lots so of bodybuilders struggle with, like, back knee and, like, really bad acne. And it's because mm. you're having, like, whey and, like, all the all the crap. Yeah. Yeah. Well,
3: that's one thing I really love about what you share through your channels is, is you share a lot of your fitness. And you show that you can do it with a plant-based diet. And you disprove a lot of, like, the mainstream myths. And kind of do it with a chip on your shoulder. Like, you're out there to prove that vegans can be strong and vegans can be fit. And, like... There is no compromise and you can be as good or, or better than uh those uh with uh hate saying traditional diet, but yeah. uh currently it's the tradition to to have those things.
2: Isn't it called the sad diet?
3: The sad diet. <laughs>
2: Isn't it? It stands for something. Standard American diet. Oh, yes, yeah. that.
3: That standard American diet. Yes, yeah. yes, that. Yeah. But I love how you, you know, go about to kind of you like almost be an ambassador for the plant-based lifestyle and the fitness lifestyle that you can do all these things without any sacrifice or compromise with an animal-free diet.
2: Yeah, totally. I'm glad I can be that. Yeah. And I like to wear like vegan shirts at the gym too so people know I'm like, hey, look at me. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that was- but that's the thing. Like that's oftentimes people – I mean it's more and more prolific now, right? But before it was like – Not that many years ago, people be like, "I don't think I know any vegans. Like, I don't, I don't live on like, you know, the Sunshine Coast or Mm -hmm. where or wherever they all congregate and live with their granola huts, (laughs) right? Like, it was this kind of trope that vegan people aren't lifting and making gains in the gym or performing as athletes. Excuse me, they're more of these like weak, kind of meek people, and it's simply not true. And so, by rocking up to the gym in like a yeah." Eat plants or are fueled by plants. People are like, whoa, wait, what? And <clears throat> it normalizes it, right? We see mm-hmm. it more and more in our day to day. And I think that's yeah. that's like a one small way that we can be activists in our own life. Show up to the gym, powered by plants, t shirt, and lift and do your thing. And people can be like, Oh, oh,
2: what? No meat? Yeah, exactly. You don't have to do anything crazy. Yes. Just like wear a shirt, post on social media.
3: Because you never know what that change can create. Someone could see you at the gym and be like, "Damn, she's strong. Yeah. She's she's here every day working hard." To see your vegan shirt, they might yeah. not ever talk to you, but that might be the catalyst that changed the rest of their life. Yeah. Exactly. You, you don't know that, and I'll never know. All right. Um, so there's these r- these invisible ripples that we don't know, but by doing you know small acts of kindness, small acts of good, you know it yeah. puts that out there. To your community Mm -hmm. and um that's one of the beautiful things you don't know where those ripples go you know yeah Yeah.
1: the person next to you at the gym gets gets in their car or whatever on the way home they're like okay siri uh vegan bodybuilding right and they're like looking into it yeah you never know you never know we always talk about like the positive trail or the ripples that we don't necessarily see and that's i think in one small way that we can have Mm -hmm. impact which is beautiful because it's just there's, there's no add-on. It's yeah. just simply live your life the way you're living your life. You're just existing. And then you can impact and influence people just mm-hmm. by the way we show up in the world. Yeah.
2: It's huge. Yeah, exactly.
3: So with your activism, obviously showing up at the gym with your with your t-shirts, with your yeah. message, mm-hmm. uh, where did you go from, how did you transition from being, okay, I want to be a vegan to becoming an activist and, and showing up uh, at events, at, at rallies, and just kind of, being a a face and a leader in that kind of community?
2: I don't know how the activism part started. I feel like I just felt fueled to like do something, do something more. So I was like, I need to, I can't just wear shirts. Yeah. Shirts are good, but I want to be like in it. I want to do the cube of truth or like something like that. And I was like, so nervous because of my social anxiety. I'm like, I'm going to have to talk to people. And like, When people ask me questions, I'm just like, I freeze up. So I was like, okay, this is going to be a challenge, but it went so well. I did the Cube of Truth, and uh, it was so impactful. I was crying in the cube because I was, Mm -hmm. like, holding the TV. But it was a really cool first experience.
3: Did you feel like you were starting to become responsible for animals and and the voiceless in a way like you were standing up for for someone that didn't have a voice yeah 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 and what what did that feel like
2: it felt good I felt like I had a purpose yeah and like I was like living my purpose mm-hmm. yeah
3: that's all what we all want to do right yeah
1: like, for just in case anyone's listening what can you just like unpack like what the cube of truth is like what was you talked about your experience but what is, what is that so
2: it's like a cube of people and you're all holding TVs with like factory farm footage, um, and everyone has like a mask on, so you don't have to show your face. And then there's outreach people who are like on the outside of it, like talking to people that have questions. Yeah.
3: That's pretty cool. Yeah. It's and, pretty
2: impactful. And done
1: like publicly in a place mm-hmm. where people can like random see places. See it. Yeah. yeah. And take notes. Yeah. And, uh, very cool. Yeah.
3: Did were you welcomed with more curiosity or more defense, um, like kind of fight or flight when when holding this? Like, were people compassionately curious or were they just like "fuck you" kind of thing?
2: I think they're curious. Yeah, for that one, because it's like, how can you not feel bad seeing that? Yes, I did uh the Canada Goose protest at the mall, and those were a bit intense. We were like running through the mall. <laughs> Um, That was a lot for me. Um, But people were pretty mad at that one. Yeah. What was was that
1: protest? What did that look like?
2: um, It was for Canada Goose. And we were just going through the mall with like signs and like chanting and standing in front of Canada Goose. And yeah.
1: Just kind of exposing some of their practices and like what their product
3: Mm -hmm. is, right? Because it's very popular.
2: Yeah. But now they've gone rid of their fur. So really? It worked. They still have the duck down or the goose down but yeah. something
3: There we go. so i'm like it matters
1: progress,
2: progress. it's not for nothing to yeah. use your voice
1: that's right that's the meat eater becoming pescatarian maybe mm-hmm. it's not like all the way mm-hmm. but it's it's moving the needle right yeah. and we we obviously want success to be like linear and quick but we know that that for all of us right we know that that's not the experience that we had and that's not how the world changes it's usually like incrementally over time but as long as those those directional changes are in the positive direction like positive momentum
3: that's a win that's worth celebrating yeah yeah exactly so you you mentioned your anxiety okay and this is something yeah. that you've actually really inspired me um with uh, I'm someone that also has anxiety and I don't often share it. I know we've yeah. talked a little bit. I was bit about shocked it. when you told me. I'm despite, you know, talking on <laughs> podcasts and surrounding myself with extroverted people, um I'm like an introvert at heart and I like to be alone. Yeah. And you know, I'll go to an event and I'll put on this like extroverted front, but I'll sit in my car for like 25 minutes before I go into the event trying Aww. to get myself ready. Yeah. And get myself in the right headspace. So Um, you've shared a lot about your anxiety, um, through, through your, your social media and it's, it's, uh, you know, been comforting for myself to kind of see that you have, you know, this anxiety that you deal with on a day to day, but it really, what I've observed, it hasn't stopped you. It hasn't Mm -hmm. been debilitating or an obstacle. It's something that you're aware of, Mm
0: -hmm. but
3: you're able to you know, do these things that are scary and do these things that are challenging and like continue to put yourself out there in a, in a positive way. So can you kind of, I think, especially in the last couple of years, you know, anxiety has been on a rise and a lot of people struggle, mm-hmm. struggle with it. Yeah. Um, can you kind of talk about some of the tools that you've used to, to be able to, um, you know, go through these, these, these goals and these, these, paths of self-development and how it shows up for you and how you deal with it
2: okay so where do i begin i have Mm -hmm. like every tool you could ever need um
3: maybe like how it shows up for you like how you feel when you have the anxiety and then knowing that you want to do these things like what tools you use to to achieve it so maybe like start with the feeling and Yeah, yeah what you do to kind of break out of that box Or are the tools you use when you know you want something that might take you out of your comfort zone?
2: Yeah, I just kind of remind myself like it's always worse in your head than it really is. Like after everything that scares me, I'm always like, oh, that wasn't even bad. Like literally the worrying before is worse than the actual event. Mm. So I always tell myself that I'm like, okay, you're making it a big thing as usual. You're going to write in your journal after, oh my God, that was actually fun or something like that.
3: Yeah, I I like that. I think when you and we talk about like these small changes, and I think you know it can be it can be daunting. Like you said, the the stress is usually before, and you go to these events, and Mm -hmm. it's not so bad. I think if you can you can get into the habit of remembering, reminding yourself that, then you all of a sudden build your confidence to to try things that are harder. Totally seem to give you anxiety. Uh, You you have that confidence to know that you can overcome it. Was Mm -hmm. was that your experience?
2: Yeah. And I recently started trying a new exercise and it's called EFT tapping. Okay. Have you heard of it? Tell us about this. So you tap like acupressure points and it's like Chinese acupuncture based. Um, And then you like say a mantra Mm
0: -hmm.
2: and there's like an app I have and it's like for driving anxiety, like every anxiety ever. And it's so helpful. Huh? It's so helpful. I recommend it to everybody.
3: Interesting. That's very cool. So it kind of just helps rewire your... your...
2: Yeah, they said there's a study done on soldiers with PTSD. And after doing it, they didn't classify as having PTSD. Wow. Yeah. So I was like, okay, there's something to it. Because usually I'm kind of like hesitant. I'm like, oh, another anxiety tool. But this one is like my main...
3: Tell us the other tools that you have. Like for myself, we talked about cold showers earlier. Like that works for me or jumping in the ocean or just like moving my body in general. Like going for a run. Working Um,
2: out. Working out saves me. Journaling, journaling it out. Crying because like sometimes you just need to release it. mm -hmm. Like you always feel better after crying.
1: Yeah, I love that. Yeah. So where did you like piece together this toolkit? Because I think it's so important and, and I love that you're sharing it. So if people are like, yeah, that's me. Okay, I'm going to try something like that. Like, was this like trial and error? Were you someone who sought out like friends or family or even professionals to say, okay, listen, I want, these are things I want to achieve in my life. But like, I have this, I have this anxiety that's a real thing and it like can get in the way. Mm-hmm. And like, how did you work to build that toolkit so you can, you know, do, do the things you've done and and create kind of a life you're creating with you uh, alongside being a person who still has to deal with and struggle with anxiety.
2: I'd say over the years, because I was diagnosed with anxiety in grade nine, actually dropped out of high school because it was so bad. And I got my GED. Um, But it's been like a roller coaster. It's much better now that I'm sober. So I actually saw a hypnotherapist and like so many different people and like the best thing is having support Mm. I think like being able to call my mom yeah yeah
1: that's amazing having having one or two key people in your life that you can just like lean on for that yeah Yeah. like
2: definitely don't hide it and Mm. like be ashamed of it because you need support
3: so if someone's listening and they're on the couch and you know taking a step off of that couch seems impossible because everything's scary and everything gives them anxiety if that's the moment that they're in, because sometimes just you know getting out of bed can be be hard. Um, if someone's listening and they're they're stuck and kind of their anxiety is all consuming, do you have any first steps that you would recommend to to kind of be able to to take two steps instead of one?
2: So I actually am on antidepressants, which I used to be so against and they for anxiety but like I was in that point where I couldn't do anything and it helped me get to point a to point b so don't be afraid to get help
3: mm-hmm. I love that yeah thank and you. and therapy yes of
2: course <laughs> yeah
3: <laughs> we, we all need we all need therapy yeah
1: yeah the, that was our friend Hillary I know Hillary it's uh a- everyone needs a therapist yes
2: I know it's kind of, um, what's the word, privileged to have therapy because it is expensive. So keeping that in mind, I know not everyone can have a therapist.
1: Mm-mm. But if it's in your accessibility, like, take advantage of it.
2: Actually, I do have a free therapist. Um, he has a podcast and his name's Anxiety Josh and he has helped me so much. He is so smart. So I would listen to him.
3: Okay. Very cool. I I mean, I think podcasts in general, there's all these incredible therapists and um, doctors that have podcasts now that kind of make their information accessible to everybody. Like uh, I've listened to so much like Esther Perel or just like the therapist that they have on Armchair Expert with Dex Shepard. Like there's just so much information that's freely accessible.
2: It's amazing. Like no offense to my therapist. You're amazing if you hear this. (laughs) But Anxiety Josh helped me more than my therapist. Wow, that's yeah. amazing.
3: Anxiety Josh. I'm running it yeah, he, yeah,
2: and he's awesome, and he has, like, a wiener dog, which is my dream dog. <laughs> nice. <laughs>
3: oh, what about Sage? Well,
2: Sage, too, but, like, one day I'll rescue a wiener dog, too.
3: There you go. <laughs> Love it. Okay, so you mentioned your, your sobriety. Yeah. And yes. that helping with your anxiety. So, yes. So, you know, when we first connected... Lamplighter days, you were full party Ashley mode, you know, living that life. Um, Can you um, share your journey from, you know, party life to to sober life? Um, Kind of when you realized where you were in your party life, when you realized that you needed to stop and kind of where you are now.
2: So I feel like I always knew I needed to stop. I just wasn't ready. I don't think, because I feel like until you're ready, you can't do it. You just have to to be ready. Um, But I'm six years sober. Uh, Halloween is my sober date. So it's been a while, and it just feels normal now. It feels so normal. It's weird to talk about the old me. I'm like, oh, she's dead. (laughs) 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 R.I.P. But, yeah, I would get blackout. I was the type of person, I was like, I need, like, 20 shots. Like, I wasn't, like aggressive. I didn't cry. I would just be sloppy. Mm. And I ruined a lot of events. So
3: So you're in the in the phase of smashly. So what led you to <laughs> that Halloween day where you're like, "Fuck it, I'm going to stop drinking." Yeah. Like was there a rock bottom or was it just like continually continuous
2: kind of- bad things? And I just woke up. It was after drinking for halloween weekend and i was dressed as a lumberjack man that night (laughs) it was actually a really good night and i just woke up and i was like i feel like i'm ready Mm. it was just like a knowing yeah because i was like i want a relationship i want healthy friendships like i'm never gonna have what i want if i continue this
1: Mm. and what was that what was that transition like like we talked earlier about like caffeine. And yeah. You, 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 know, you asked me like, what did you have like the crazy like withdrawals? And yeah. for me, I was like, no, because I just think I was ready. And like, yeah. I yeah. Was able to. What well, was that like? <clears throat> was it challenging? Were there moments when you're like, uh, do am I? Is this like for a month? Am I going to kind of dry out, or is this for good? Like, what was that?
2: Well, na- navigating
1: that transition for you.
2: I had many times where I'd quit for like a month or a couple months. So like me to continue and be sober right now, shocking. Okay. Um, but what I think kept me sober is i cut off so many people mm. and i was a hermit for a very long time but it was worth it um and i did the 12 steps like by myself in my journal and i was just like okay my journal is my best friend i'm going to write in it every day and yeah and
1: here you are 6, six years, years later, later. <laughs> that's amazing
2: um another thing was figuring out why I drink mm-hmm. and one of the big big things was social anxiety so I was like okay I gotta prove to myself that I can be social without alcohol so I went on like all these little excursions in Vancouver I was living in Pitt Meadows and like with like random people I would do crazy hikes and like tubing things and I would know nobody
3: just so, to, just to prove to yourself yeah. that you, you can do this without yeah. alcohol
2: And I'd make friends and have so much fun, and I was like, I don't, I don't need this.
1: So you put yourself in a potentially like a situation that was really
2: uncomfortable. Yeah, you you sought out
1: that discomfort so that you could grow.
2: Exactly. Yeah.
1: Are there ways that you do that still now? Not necessarily tied to sobriety, but do you push yourself into areas of discomfort, knowing, okay, this is going to lead to growth for me?
2: all the time yeah (laughs) well i try to i try to i've kind of been slacking (laughs) um cold dipping was one of them because like i'm one of those people that hates being cold i'm always cold and i'm like i hate the cold um what else tough mutter oh i did a couple times yep trying to think of other things this podcast yeah i don't like talking on the spot so here i am
1: amazing so good
2: Doing
3: great, by the way. Thank yes. you. Thank Even you. with uh, with your with your pink moon socials, like <laughs> just watching that grow, you know, you put it out there that this is something that you want to do. Um, you know, you shared it with mm-hmm. you know full vulnerability and full um, ambition at the same time, mm-hmm. and and you saw that fill up pretty quickly, right?
2: Yeah, which, yeah.
3: Which is pretty cool.
2: I was definitely surprised yeah
3: so can you talk about like that that determination that kind of that desire for self-development that you have like as, as someone watching your life from an outside like I, I just kind of see you on this path of continuous improvement and continuous Aww. development
2: <laughs> thank you i so nice
3: is that like a fire that burns inside of you or like where do you get that that kind of desire to to be curious and to keep growing
2: um I don't know. If you're not growing, you're dead, they say.
3: Yeah. Because a lot of people right. are content just to like sit and watch Netflix and play yeah. video games, you know, like like it's, uh, you know, I think we can be in a, a bubble of, you know, achievers and seekers and mm-hmm. all of that stuff. But, yeah. you know, there's also a bubble next to that where people are just sitting around chilling all the time. Mm-hmm. So um, for for those that, you know, it seems like a lot to take on new tasks and take on Mm -hmm. new challenges like is that something that you that's internally driven or are inspired by the community around you or or where do you think you get that from
2: Mm, I just always want to be better yeah I feel like I can can always be better and like I could never work a nine-to-five job I just know that's not me I'm like a very sensitive person I get drained so easily so I was like you know what I need to I need to find something that works for me
3: so you're creating your own reality. Yes. Yeah, designing exactly. your own life. I'm trying. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Aren't we all? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's great. So one thing that we were talking about earlier, manifestation, and it's something that yes. that we've been, you know, working on. Um, what did What did Nima Delgado say to us about manifestation? It really was what, was moving.
1: Yeah, I mean, he is an amazing individual. We were able to have a conversation with him and. Um, his whole kind of thing is like he's an engineer Mm -hmm. by training and he brought this idea of like intentioneering. So you're creating the life you want but like through very intentional choices and decisions. And I mean, really was just like you embody the thing you want to be. Mm -hmm. So we talked about like weightlifting and, you know, being physically strong and all this stuff. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I know. He's like, you just got to be, and he is a vegan bodybuilder. Yeah, I know him. Okay. (laughs) And so he's like, yeah, you would just say like, if you're starting in like lifting weights or like getting into it, just be like, I I am a bodybuilder. Yeah. Because that's physically what you're doing. You're building your muscles. You're creating. So don't say, "Oh, I would like to be," or "I'm trying to be," because then you're minimizing. Yeah. Things. Like, just say, "Own it." Like, I am this. Mm-hmm. So even if you aren't, and then so we started having Zach and I had these conversations about like things like abundance and stuff like that, and we can often live in like fear and scarcity and be like, "Oh, I wish I could be like abundant," or "I wish I could be more mm-hmm. outgoing," or whatever it is, and we don't allow ourselves to have kind of like the sense even if we're like fake it till you make it kind of thing but to say like no I am I am abundance Mm -hmm. and you're opening yourself up to that reality to see it to experience it to receive it Mm because oftentimes we're closed off to it yeah does that resonate with like how you would kind of approach it or think about this idea of like manifestation or creating your own path or so
2: I actually took a course and it was a manifestation course and it's called MBA okay
3: Um, Oh, your mom must be so proud you got your MBA. (laughs) I got my
2: MBA. Everyone (laughs) likes to say that. Um, But honestly, it like changed my life. Like so many crazy things have been happening. I'm like, nobody can deny that manifestation is not real. Mm -hmm. Um, But have you ever heard of like the saying when you're dating someone and they can feel your desperation or like you can feel their desperation?
3: Yeah, 100%. And,
2: like, they're not saying anything, but you can just feel it, and it kind of pushes you away. I learned that with, like, anything you want, if you put that desperation, it's going to push it away. Hmm. Even if you're not, like, doing anything, if you're feeling desperate for that job or something, the universe listens. Hmm. Yeah. So you got to be in that mindset of, I want it, but I don't need it.
1: Interesting. So there's, like, an element of, like, surrendering, Mm -hmm. like, as something that I'm... Passionate about or really desire. Yeah. Want to achieve this, want to do this, but like not, you're not like white knuckling it. Like this has to happen or or like, or else.
2: Like I noticed that with clients Hmm. too. Like the ones where I was like, oh my God, like I I need this client. Like they kind of would like go away for whatever reason. And I'm like, okay, they definitely felt it. So it's true.
3: It's interesting. I've been kind of toying with this idea of like pushing versus patience. Yeah. Because when I want something, I often just want to like, blindly push like a almost like a psychopath because like yeah just, I can be really one track goal driven kind of obsessive in that sense mm-hmm. and then if I can take a step back I'm like I just need to be patient mm-hmm. you know and I'm trying to like know when to be patient and when know when to push yeah um so okay you got your MBA
2: <laughs> I did
3: tell us <laughs> tell us more about because that's so cool I think that's yeah. That's just amazing that there's courses like that because I think designing your own life, we need to learn these tools of manifestation, like the Mm -hmm. laws of attraction. Um, Can you tell us what else you learned in this course?
2: Well, I think a lot of people like myself, I thought it was just magic, like writing it down and all that. But she made us like release our trauma Mm. so we could have room to receive it. And like the EFT tapping was from her actually. As well as shaking, I forgot to say shaking. Do you what? know what that is? No, it us about shaking. You like you put on a song and you just like shake it out. You just like shake your limbs and like jump, and it gets it out. I yeah. love that. It moves the trauma and the emotions through the body. Wow. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a, there's a whole thing about like body memory and how we store yeah. trauma and incidents, like things that happen in parts of our body, and then we wonder like, oh, my lower back is always sore. My hips are so yeah. tight, and a lot of times it's like those memories or events are like stored there. Yeah. I remember when I learned that, like I, it blew my mind that like exactly. our body will like store memory. I'm like, wait, how? But yeah. It's all, it's all part of that, that whatever, like the energy. And I don't, I still don't even know fully how it works, but Hillary McBride, again, the second time yeah. I mentioned her, but she talks about it. Like she teaches on it. It's,
3: it's, it's mind blowing. Yeah. But, but how we could shake that out and move mm-hmm. that energy. It's funny. Like we don't take these lessons. So, I've got two kids. Dean's got two kids. Like, if they're feeling crazy or causing trouble, I'll we'll have a little dance party. You yeah. Know? So, you like, should do
2: Shake It Off. <laughs> like,
3: if I, if I can intuitively know that my kids need to shake it off and move their bodies, mm-hmm. but, like, I don't always give myself that permission, yeah. you know? Maybe I'm, like, insecure to look silly or, like... You know, yeah it's,
2: you know. it is awkward i always feel stupid i'm like okay is anyone looking
0: yeah
3: <laughs> yeah but maybe we just gotta like surrender that you do that's uh you know those in- insecurities of being ourselves you know
2: sometimes you just gotta be cringe just right? gotta be cringe
3: yeah. Normalize. shake it out Normalize shaking it <laughs> that out. does feel good like even going to like kundalini lo- uh, yoga classes like, yeah, yeah i remember like at first being like kind of fearful or judge judgy of myself. Like mm-hmm. I see all these other people, but I'm like, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. And then eventually yeah. get into a point where I like, I close my eyes and like, I'm in my own little world. And then I to the point where I'm like full silly, you know, just yeah. like, like totally in a flow state, mm-hmm. moving my body without any uh, hesitation, you know,
2: that's the best.
3: Yeah. And it's interesting too, that we often, you know, talk, cause we were talking about sobriety
1: and stuff and how often We will feel inhibited to do those things that bring us freedom, that bring us joy, that Mm -hmm. release, you know, tension or stress or trauma in our lives. And we don't give ourselves permission to do that knowing like, A, that's something that we really need and B, it's going to, it's going to help us move forward. And so oftentimes we'll feel that sense of like, I need, I need to do something. I'm feeling stuck. I'm feeling triggered or stressed or whatever. And so oftentimes we turn to like substances to numb numb those feelings. Rather, like, you know, you said, acknowledge with our kids, like, you're wild, like, let's go for a run or let's go do this. And we don't do that for ourselves. In fact, we do the opposite. We suppress it. But then if we are, you know, drinking more and more, we lose our inhibitions and we can start Mm -hmm. to do those things. But then it's not in like a healthy way. It's not constructive. It's often destructive. Yeah. But how like, you know, just that that through line of like alcohol, it's often the thing we turn to, to numb the reality of like no, I just need to like move and be silly and like mm-hmm. let this stuff go to
2: be yourself,
1: y- to which be is yourself. very sad. Yes.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'm just always weird, so
1: we gotta yeah. we gotta normalize it. Normalize being weird. <laughs> no, normalize and cringe weird. and shaking yeah. it off. Just yeah. be
3: weird. Yes. Yeah.
1: So keep, so keep Portland weird as a shirt. I right? keep everyone
3: weird. Keep everyone That's weird. That's what we gotta have. I love that. We're all a bunch of weirdos. Yeah. You know, like if you're close, if you can think of your closest friends, like. We're all weirdos with our closest friends. Oh yeah! You
2: know? I used to think I was like the weirdest person until I went on TikTok and everyone like shares like their experiences and <laughs> thoughts and I'm, like we're all the same. It's so weird. Yeah,
3: yeah. We just kind of <laughs> we're put, not unique. Put it on pause when we go out to the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so how do you practice manifestation on a on a day to day basis?
2: Mm. so it differs based on my mood sometimes i'll do like a tapping in the morning to release like a limiting belief which is like a big thing to do because like we have limiting beliefs we don't even know we have like ones with like money and like ones where like everyone thinks i'm weird or like something like that um journaling like the i am the affirmations and just like embodying like the MBAU. Yeah. I feel like I'm her right now like trying to talk like the the coach. Um but just be the you you want to be, dress like them. Like I started dressing more fun and like I dyed my hair and stuff and yeah, just embody it.
1: I love that. It's like giving your giving yourself permission to be the person that you are and that you like want to become. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Like what step can I take today to be more like the Ashley, the elevated Ashley? Hmm. Yeah, because
1: mm-hmm. I think so often we we quiet down ourselves. We we turn down the weirdness or the uniqueness of who we are to fit in to yeah. a workplace or a friend group or whatever it might be. And you know, I mean, so sometimes being called like we're dimming our light, mm-hmm. and like that's so tragic. Yeah, that we would do that, and yet. We feel like, oh, if I allow myself to be fully who I am, like, what if people judge me for that? Or I've always been this way and now Mm -hmm. I want to start becoming this way and and wear, you know, wear wear more fun clothes or dye my hair, do whatever it is I want to do, embody who I feel like I should be. Like, what if people don't accept me? Yeah. But really, like, if we step into just being who you want to be, like, you experience that. And then
2: you weed out the people that shouldn't be around anyway. Mm Mm-hmm. And did attract you, the right people.
1: Okay, so I was going to ask you, like, did you find through that process, like, you talked about with, with drinking, like, one of the mm-hmm. things you did is, like, removed some people from your life. Yeah. That would, did you find that your life got filled up with people who are like, yeah, me too. Like, sobriety is where it's at.
2: The more I worked on myself, the more quality people came into my life. Like, definitely with every year that I, like, I grow, it's better and better people. Mm. A better crowd. Yeah. Yeah. Fruits of your labor.
3: Fruits mm-hmm. of your, oh, I like that, <laughs> There's a saying that I often think about that we've shared before: that you're the the sum of the five people you spend the most yes. time with. So choose your five people wisely. Yeah, exactly. And I think about that, like, uh, you know, we we do become creatures of our community in a way. So if you want to be a runner, surround yourself with runners. If you want to be sober, sur- surround yourself with sober people. If you want to
2: be vegan be vegan you know yeah.
3: find a vegan community it just you're able to to fast track that version of yourself you want to be yeah when you surround yourself it's with so, true. so true so true because if you're just yeah. in, in your corner by yourself mm-hmm. wanting to be these things mm-hmm. you don't have that support network and it becomes yeah. easy when you have those people that are like oh yeah me too i'm also into shaking it out or i'm also yeah. into.
2: <laughs> i'm also cringe
3: yeah <laughs> yeah let's all be
1: cringe yeah so good. um One of the things you talked about earlier, you just mentioned mm-hmm. it in passing, was when from when you were a kid, you were sensitive and you loved mm-hmm. to create and do art. Yeah. And uh, on your Instagram, you have a link to a page that you also have out there. Yeah. Sovereign Soul Art. Yes. And it, it's incredible. Thank like, the you. The work is so good.
2: I haven't been doing art lately. I've been slacking. Okay.
1: It's so cool. Can you talk a little bit? About, like, what was the what was the why behind that? Like, was that birthed out of finding like. Uh, a new creative outlet. Is it tied to, you know, moving into sobriety? Obviously you want to empower women through it. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us about it. What's, what's this all about? It's absolutely beautiful.
2: Thank you. I always wanted to do digital art. So I finally got an iPad and like, once I started drawing, I just couldn't stop. So I was like, I'm going to make a page. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> and I just wanted to share it. Okay. It's so vulnerable for me though. I like sharing my art. It's like, it's cringe.
1: Cringe, cringe. <laughs> it's
2: definitely a cringe.
1: But like, ah uh, It's not, though. It's so good. Like, I was just looking at it the other day. I'm like, oh, man, the images are powerful. Like, you can look at them and and pull out metaphor and just, like, the wisdom that I think is in there in terms of empowering and femininity and strength and beauty and, like, uh, what I would see is, like, the sacredness of, like, the feminine. Yeah, yeah. It's, like, it's fully on display. I mean... So I don't think it's cringe. It's- I don't think <laughs> it's cringe. I think it's amazing. Yeah. I'm an admirer. Of I know
2: you've always been my number one fan. Yeah.
1: <laughs> is there, um, is there like a, what's like the, the why behind it? Or like, obviously mm. you wanted, wanted to create for the sake of creating, but is there like a bigger, a bigger purpose? Like one day you would like to see this as like something people could participate in?
2: Just like in or- woman empowerment. I've been like big on that lately and like owning your body. Mm-hmm. And, like, women are just so beautiful, they're art. So I was like, I'm just going to make them art. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very
3: cool. C- can you talk about that body positivity? Because I think you also champion that a lot. Like, there's, you're, like, where others shame, you celebrate, you know? Mm-hmm. Can, can you talk about, I mean, I think that's a form of activism yeah. and celebration and, and just, you know, a positive trail
2: yeah i just I just feel like women they get shamed for everything they do and like showing their body, but really, it's such like a beautiful, confident thing and like so sacred to you, and it's your choice if you want to show your body or not. Um, I've just faced so much judgment from men, so I really want to try to educate people on like feminism.
3: That's awesome. I, you often share some of the the boneheaded things uh, yeah. that my gender <laughs> can put out there to the world and uh, that it's not okay. Yeah, and yeah. You're you're so great at reframing it into mm-hmm. a positive light uh, to celebrate, you know, your body and the women's mm-hmm. bodies. So I think that's super yeah. cool.
2: Well, even women will like internalize the misogyny on themselves, which I used to because I would judge other women. Like, I don't, you don't, Bianca Taylor? uh, Side, girl? Yes, yes, yes. I I used to follow her, like, way back in the day before she got super famous. And, like, I would judge her because I was, like, she's showing her body and just modeling. Why isn't she, like, talking about veganism? Mm. And I realized, wow, it's because I wasn't comfortable and I wanted permission to do the same. And now I, like, look at her and I'm, like, she's my inspiration.
1: Yes, that's very cool. Very, very cool. And someone, it's interesting, that's like kind of full circle, someone that you saw and followed before and maybe had different
2: Mm -hmm. like
1: opinions on or whatever. And then now...
2: Yeah, she's like, she shared that she's experienced a lot of women having the same experience as me. Mm -hmm. And people are even reaching out to me saying they felt triggered by me. But it's good because it helps them to like, look deeper, like what is causing this?
1: Well, usually that's the thing, right? We like to blame the person who makes us feel something Mm -hmm. when in reality it's like, wait, what does that say about me? Like, what is that teaching me about myself? Why, like, why am I reacting? Instead of like having that curiosity mindset of like what's going on in me that I'm like upset by that or triggered by that versus it's the easy thing to do is be like, here's why you're bad. Yeah. Right. And not start to face ourselves and deal with our own way
2: easier to just (laughs) leave a troll comment.
3: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All the trolls. Shout out to all the trolls. Yeah, shout out. <laughs> all right one one last thing that I'd love to get into w- with yourself before before we get into maybe some the main other. event. The main <laughs> event. We're here at the main event. Um, I've been really inspired and, and just um, you know grateful that you've shared your your journey, uh, you, all these journeys. But uh, I've, I've found it really interesting and and been grateful that you've been open sharing with everybody. Um, kind of your, your family history, mm-hmm. um, you know, you have your adopted family and yeah. um, have recently found your biological family, mm-hmm. and you've, you've been so gracious and sharing this with, with all of us that, you know, follow your journey. Can you kind mm-hmm. of share, share that experience and, and what that's been for you?
2: Okay. Where do I begin? So <laughs> I'm always like, I can write a book on this whole yeah, thing. Yeah, you should maybe one day i'm much better with uh much better with writing than speaking um so i have a pretty big family my dad my mom three older brothers and then an older sister and like when i was younger i looked so different than my family my mom has blonde hair and blue eyes and she's my bio mom actually which is funny um But I always looked in the mirror, and I was like, why is my hair, like, black? Like, this is, like, my natural color. Why are my eyes brown and my skin's darker? And they're just like, oh, like, it's because you have Spanish in you. And I was like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, okay, I'll believe that, I guess. But, like, my intuitiveness, I feel like I'm very intuitive, always knew. Like, I always knew something was off. And then, like, fast forward, I think it was, like, three years ago now, maybe, my mom was like, your dad's not your dad. I have to tell you this. And it was when I was moving to Vancouver and I was in um, grade 12 anatomy and I was failing and I had a test. I'm like, why did you tell me this? I have so much stress. Um, and yeah, I remember calling my boyfriend Rob and he's like, you're a kid. I don't believe you. I'm like, "I'm this is for real. Like, I'm serious. So that's how it started.
3: So growing up, you always thought that the father that raised you was your mm-hmm. biological father as well?
2: Yeah, because he was actually around while my mom was pregnant. So he was there, like, raising me from a baby. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really, like, question it. Yeah.
3: So you intuitively felt like there could be someone else that was your parent all yeah. these years? Yeah.
2: Yeah, I just felt like, I felt like a black sheep in my family and I literally was with my black hair and Mm -hmm. yeah, I felt so like adopted. I was always joke that I'm adopted.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So, yeah, um, you're moving to Vancouver and your mom drops this news on you that Mm -hmm. you have, you have a different father. Yeah. Um, how did that, how did that sit? How did you react to that? I went crazy.
2: Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Yeah yeah um lots of screaming yeah door slamming crying just like it didn't feel real i was like this is a joke like this is a jerry springer episode um and then my cousin was coming to pick me up because we had plans and she actually knew too so my whole family knew wow and kept the secret from me wow yeah and i was just like are you kidding me
3: that's why wow. yeah. I can't imagine just, like, projecting that on, onto myself. Like, I can't imagine getting to a point in my life when yeah. my mom's like, you know, your dad's not actually your your biological dad. I can't, because you, yeah. you have this reality that you're living. Mm-hmm. And to have something that you've always accepted to be true, mm-hmm. not be the truth, I imagine would be kind of unsettling for all yeah. of your truths in a way.
2: Yeah. My parents were crying and like my dad was crying. He's like, I wanted her to tell you, but like my mom, she's a really good person, but she's too overprotective Mm -hmm. for her own good. And she was scared because my anxiety and my drinking that if I found out, I would like do something. Right. So I like empathize with her. So I forgive her and we're still like super close, Yeah. but it's definitely like it was a challenge.
3: Yeah, we're all doing, I think that's, that's amazing that you can have that grace and that forgiveness. Cause I think, you know, I hope that we're all doing our best and it doesn't mm-hmm. mean we're doing our best for others, but sometimes we're doing the best that we can. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and to accept that or forgive that, I think is. It's a very compassionate, loving thing. I'm too empathetic sometimes. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I, like, cry when people cry. I'm like, no, don't cry, even though I should hate you right now. like, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow.
1: So you, you start to put together the pieces of the family. Like, you're like, okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I wish I would have known. Yeah. Your family knows. So what's, like, the next step? You go on a journey to, like, rediscover this this part of your life that was, yeah. like, not was kept from you essentially yeah
2: so at first I didn't really care I just was like I don't want to talk to my family um I stayed away from them for a bit but then my Oma from my dad's side was in the hospital in Kelowna like dying and I had to go I was like I can't let this grudge make me not see her Mm. so I had to be with my dad and my brother and that made me forgive them quicker maybe before I was ready yeah (laughs) maybe my Oma knew (laughs) but like yeah, I had to go and like focus on that. So
3: that allowed you to to see your family and to let them back in.
2: A little bit, yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And what were what were the steps? When did you become curious to find your your biological father?
2: Um I think a couple months later.
3: Is that the language that you use? Like your biological
2: Yeah, bio father? bio dad. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, my mom told me his name and it was Eves. And I was like, that's so weird because that's like a vegan company. <laughs> I was like, of course um, it is. And like, all she knew was his name, his roughly his age. I had one picture of him holding me and he looked so dark. And like, everyone thought he was like Nigerian or something. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, what am I? Yeah. Um, And then I thought he didn't care about me. So I was more kind of like mad. Like, I don't care about this dude. But a family friend my mom connected me with knew him. And she said he asked about me. So I was like, okay, well, I have to look. So then I began. And I hired an investigator. And it was like $4,000. And they found nothing.
3: Oh, my goodness. Yeah.
2: So you spent
3: all this money, which is a huge... Huge amount, yeah. especially for, you know, a young person to, to shell out. Yeah. You didn't find your dad.
2: Yeah. They're but... like, we think he's homeless. I was like, I doubt it. Like, I feel like he can't be.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So you kept, you know, following your intuition and your curiosity. And wh- where did that continue?
2: Well, I let go of it then.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, I remember telling my therapist like a week before my 30th birthday I was like, I'm ready to let it go. Like, I can't obsess about this any longer. I just need to let it go. Um, and then a week later, the a couple days before my birthday, I matched with someone on 23andMe. And it was like an aunt or something. And she's like, we've been waiting to hear from you. And I was oh, just wow. like, oh, my God. Wow. Yeah, I didn't answer right away because I was like, this is going to change my life.
1: Yeah,
3: yeah. yeah.
1: That's like, uh, that's... a. Uh like a wild piece of information to receive and then Mm -hmm. and then you go like it's kind of like a pandora's box like once you open it there's no going back
2: yeah so i was like what do i do yeah obviously i have to call her she wanted me to call and then i called and she's like listen your dad passed away but you have a brother and sister in vancouver and she's like you're indigenous you're metis anishinaabe and yeah it was crazy
3: So let's just kind of pause here and unpack all this. So did you feel unsettled not knowing who your dad was? And then once you found out, like once you opened that box, like Mm -hmm. what was that initial reaction? Like was it excitement, fear? Can you kind of walk us through like the before and after? I was like
2: trying not to cry on the phone. I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? This is like... I didn't expect it. So I was like, what? Um and then I just cried on my porch like for the whole day. Yeah. And then I was like, I'm gonna reach out to my brother. Yeah. So I called him and he was like super sweet and he's like, We've been looking for you. And I was like, What? This is crazy.
1: wow. Because yeah. they knew they knew that you were out there. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. The whole time. Yeah. And he's actually an artist. Wow. And an activist for indigenous people, and he raises money for cats. so I was like what? Of your brother <laughs> like you, know. Yeah. yeah yeah
3: Wow. So you've connected with with your brother and your sister mm-hmm. and and your indigenous community.
2: Yeah, my sister kind of didn't go so well. She has like some healing to do, but me and my brother we talk all the time. yeah.
3: And what's that experience been like getting to know your brother?
2: It's weird and good. Cause yeah. like when I met him, it was in the thick of COVID. Right. So he had a mask on, I had a mask on. He didn't even feel comfortable hugging at first. So I was like, I want to like see, see you. I want to hug you right now. <laughs> like yeah. show me your face. So that was kind of frustrating, you but
3: mediated yeah. First. Meeting. Yeah. 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 Hmm. And what about learning about your father?
2: Um, apparently he was artsy too.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Do you does it answer questions about yourself? Like um are some of your curiosities answered? Like is even yeah. though your your fa- your biological father's past, like do you feel connected to that now knowing that lineage, that ancestral history that you have?
2: Yeah, he actually was a residential school survivor. So it made me, like, empathize a lot more for him, like, not being there and, like, Mm -hmm. whatever reasons. Like, he obviously had so much trauma. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
3: What's it been like growing up? You had this perception of who you Mm were and that changing. And now knowing that, you know, your, your ancestral lineage is different than that which you knew growing up. Like, have you been connecting and learning about your your indigenous uh, roots now What has that kind of that path been like for you
2: yes i've been reconnecting and i've been trying to take it slow but i'm just too excited because like when i found out my culture and where i come from it just felt like it fit me Hmm. like caring about animals and the planet and just like me it like made sense
3: that's so cool. You were yeah. able to put the puzzle pieces of yourself and together. And I have
2: right? a, a cousin. They're two spirit and an elder. And they took me under their wing. And they've been inviting me to like all the things. And a sweat lodge. I was too nervous to go. I haven't gone yet. Mm. <laughs> I get claustrophobic. I was like, I don't know. But yeah, it's uh-huh. been really good.
3: That was very cool.
1: So you've been able to access, yeah, some, some people and get in like wade into the waters of like that element Mm -hmm. of of who you are and that identity that you carry
2: yeah yeah yeah. I've been learning a lot and like it's kind of hard because I want to be more vocal but I'm kind of scared because I don't want to like take up space Mm -hmm. because I'm reconnecting so it's like a weird situation
1: yeah no doubt but it's like even it's like even uh obviously it's very different but parallels in some ways like that journey into like a a dietary dietary shift for ethical reasons Mm -hmm. it can happen incrementally yeah but eventually you want to speak up and share Mm -hmm. like what you're learning right yeah but yeah it's obviously being sensitive to to taking up space and advocating and speaking where it's appropriate but also wanting to learn and receive as much as we can give yeah Mm -hmm. no doubt that's wild yeah
2: i don't mind sharing like i share because My story is not unique. Like, it feels so unique to some people, but it's not because of, like, foster care, kids being taken to foster care and all that. So it's, like, quite common.
3: Well, this is, I mean, one of the the sad realities of the residential school. It -hmm. left left kind of, not kind of, it completely, like, devastated communities and left a very broken path to Mm -hmm. ancestral history and knowledge and, and... there are lots of children like yourself that haven't been able to know their biological families mm-hmm. because they were separated. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
3: So I think just in hearing this like just like how you have inspired through your activism and your veganism and sharing you know your path with anxiety and your path with sobriety, I think in sharing your 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 journey with your your family and being so open about it, I think you know it gives other people that are going through this to it gives them permission to 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 feel and to to dive deeply with you know love and curiosity and compassion into mm-hmm. their into their own ancestral history as well so yeah I, I think you know in, in sharing you open your door but you also open doors for others
2: yeah totally
3: mm-hmm. that's
2: what I'm trying to do mm-hmm. yeah
3: you're doing it thank you yeah <laughs> Ma- manifestation you're not trying you are
2: Yes, I am.
3: Yeah. Hmm. So on that on that journey, where are you now? Are you are you continuing to connect with with your indigenous community and continuing to learn like where where are you hoping this this journey continues to take you?
2: Um during the end of summer, I went to Sundance, which is like a huge indige- indigenous ceremony. And there's dancers, and they fast for like three to four days no food, no water, and they like dance nonstop. Um, and it's to connect to like creator and spirits and all that. So I witnessed that, and that was really cool. It was like up by Lillooet, and I also harvested sage, mm. it was wood sage, not white sage. Don't worry. <laughs> um, and I made like smudging bundles, so that was really cool.
0: Mm.
3: Very cool. Have, have other people connected with you that have had kind of similar histories?
2: Um, not many. Yeah. Yeah, not too many actually. Not yeah. yet.
3: Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> as you continue to tell your story, I'm sure, I'm sure that kind of community will, will yeah, connect with you as well. Totally.
2: Mm-hmm. I don't want them to like force it. Be my friend, because yeah. I'm indigenous and I need indigenous friends. Like, if you're drawn to me and if we're aligned, we should connect. Yeah. And like, I felt really self-conscious at first being vegan, telling my siblings, telling my cousin, because I know it's like a touchy thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And they did not really care, (laughs) especially my cousin. They're like, oh, there's so many vegans here at the powwow. I was like, what?
3: (laughs) Kind of speaks to our insecurities. Yeah. We're scared to like bring our truth forward. Yeah. And you know, it's our own fear. It's not, it's not actually what is being projected onto us. It's just Mm -hmm. what we're projecting outwards. And when we, when we say it out loud, it Mm -hmm. becomes, it all becomes okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's always that I find it's like, uh,
1: we've talked about it here in the podcast before uh, a few times, but it's like that, um, there's a, there's a timidness around veganism. And when we start to talk about like proper traditional Mm -hmm. ancestral ways of knowing and indigenous wisdom, because it's not vegan, Mm -hmm. but that type of lifestyle and practice is not the problem yeah with what we have today with industrial agriculture mm-hmm. and the uh, kind of like mindless and senseless en masse yeah structures like those are wildly different things. At the end of the day, yes, it is like consuming animals and using the animals for our own benefit mm-hmm. and gain. So from from that standpoint, you could say, well, it's not vegan. But to me, they are two entirely and wildly different things because of the intention behind it. Like if colonizers had actually like listened to the indigenous wisdom that they encountered and we practiced indigenous ways of stewardship and land, like we wouldn't have all of the myriad of problems we have connected to our food systems, the way we extract and exploit for our Mm -hmm. own gain which is really capitalism which is really colonialism and so the fact that like yeah it can definitely obviously be be sensitive but it's like to me those are two very very different systems that sadly get like lumped together because it's the consumption and use of animals but
2: yeah i agree i even felt that way before i knew that i was indigenous yeah yeah i did not tell indigenous people go vegan they're the last people yeah yes talking to the people in cities vancouver
3: yeah
1: talking to you right yeah (laughs) Yeah. because the goals i mean you could even say the goals of of veganism um on an environmental level are completely aligned Mm -hmm. with what indigenous wisdom has said from its inception Mm -hmm. which is like take care of the earth and it will take care of us yeah and it can't be any other way
2: exactly
1: but yeah that's that's cool that's cool that you found like connection and acceptance even in within that right yeah where you were maybe yeah nervous about how does this go how
3: does this conversation go
2: like are you gonna reject me (laughs) (laughs) I don't know (laughs)
3: yeah I'm here yeah yeah Yeah. well thank you for for sharing all of this Mm -hmm. from from your vulnerabilities to your your family history and I think uh, you've inspired myself and you've inspired many others and I just wanted to pass my gratitude to you and encourage you to keep sharing and keep caring and keep being you in, in your radically you know compassionate cringy way yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I think the ripples and the waves that you create are are bigger than you might know and I just want to pass that that on to yourself and Um, Mm -hmm. we always kind of wrap the pot up with just some silliness and funness to shake it out. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Have a little fun. Down for that. And then we'll, we'll land this and let you go see Sage and your pup.
2: Sounds good. Yeah.
3: Yeah. All right. So we like to just do some rapid fires. So for some fun takeaways for those that follow you and are inspired by you, um, you know, you are on this, this continual course of of designing your life, living your life, you developing yourself. Um, are there any books or tools or documentaries that you often gift to others or recommend others that have inspired you on your own journey?
2: That's a good question. Hmm. I would say Anxiety Josh podcast. Yes. Shout out to Anxiety Josh. Always sharing that. Um, I also, Manifestation Babe, the girl who runs MBA, she has a podcast. Cool. With a lot of really good free information and tips. Um, It's just called Manifestation Babe.
3: That's the pod. Yeah. Sweet. Can I check the manifestation? And obviously,
2: The Secret. Yes. It's like one of the best.
3: So good. Yeah, that's a good one. I remember uh when I first started dating my wife, we were staying up late chatting and talking about the books that we liked, and she's like, oh, I'm so into the secret, I'm obsessed with the secret. I'm like, Oh, okay. Like, okay, she's she thinks she thinks a little she manifests she, you. She might have. Yeah. She might have. <laughs> but that was that piqued my my curiosity. So the Very secret's cool. a good one. Yep. Favorite um
1: favorite weeknight meal. So Wednesday, Thursday night, whatever you're going to cook something for dinner what's your What's your go-to?
2: Pasta yeah. of like any kind yeah. usually like a hemp seed sauce Nice
3: Yeah Very good That's a good one get the, Pretty get, basic get those... but
2: you know I just I like carbs does.
3: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you're, you're great at celebrating you know vegan activists vegan individuals and vegan businesses is there any individuals or businesses that you'd like to give give shout outs to?
2: Zach. Thank you.
3: (laughs) I'm assuming that's me that you're talking about. Could be some other Zach. Yeah, the other Zach. (laughs) Good Zach.
2: Um, Good dog. Definitely check them out. I love how inclusive they are. The owner's vegan, which means a lot to me. Um, Juice truck. Shout out. Thanks, Ashley. Also, uh, to live for the cafe. The croissants are so good. The breakfast sandwich. Also, the kids' books she has there, I love them. They're like anti-racism, rescue dogs. Like, I love that.
1: Sweet. Yes. Congrats to Aaron.
3: I love kids' books with messages because I feel like they, like, bypass my need to be a good parent. Yeah. <laughs> if, really I, care. if I get these books and I read these enough times, my kids will assimilate the knowledge and will know better and do better. There's a great. Exactly. There's a great series called, it's like a kid's book about...
1: And so we've got a couple one of them's like about racism right and so it's like a kid's book about racism and it's like so easy to read and just like poignant like right to the point I've read it with my girls a few times just to be like yeah like this is this we're going to talk about this right mm-hmm. like as uh, white kids growing up in this world I'm like yeah. we need to be aware and it's like Sometimes it's awkward to have the conversations, but these little books, they're great. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm glad.
2: I want to go there just to read them. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
3: That's sweet. Yeah, me too. Have a a few treats on the Let's
2: go have a little book club meeting. Yeah, we should. I
3: like it. Yeah. sounds like a good idea. We need a book club. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, cool. Love it. Uh, Any Netflix, Crave, Amazon Prime videos, TV shows that you've been binging or have really loved in the last year or so?
2: The Dragon Prince series it's like anime ish
3: i haven't watched this one i love it
2: it's so i know it's so mystical and cute um but it's a really good storyline and then uh what else you
3: watched avatar the last airbender right
2: i've been watching it i'm still i'm still working on it okay don't worry and
3: (laughs) And i love it (laughs) he's so cool uh you got any other ones dinner
1: Oh, we've talked about fitness and all that. Yeah. Favorite way to get a workout in?
2: Boxing. Yeah. Yeah, just doing pads. Nice. Yeah. it's the best. Get that anger out. All that vegan aggression.
3: Rage rage (laughs) and release. There's this guy that I love following. He's a runner in, in New York. Um, his his run club is called Rage and Release, and they do like all this like primal screaming and oh my let God. out their rage before they release it and run. Yeah, it's I love cool. that. Yeah, Ty Richardson is that his yeah, name? Yeah, yeah, yeah check very, him, check very, him out. Very cool,
2: very cool. That guy. is cool. Yeah, I'd I'd feel really cringe screaming. Yeah. but I think I need to. But if <laughs> yeah, you have like yeah. a
1: group of people and you're all into it, then it then it becomes like it's
3: yeah. it's kind of a cool. thing Have you I ever
2: have howled it. at the moon with your friends?
3: Uh no, I don't. I recommend I don't. it okay i've definitely done it with my kids yeah yeah i
2: feel like so i've definitely
1: good. done it i don't know if i've ever done it like as a with a group it's let's go
2: very ha- uh therapeutic
1: let's okay. go howl together dude let's howl do with you, buddy. next
3: for full the full moon. moon yeah next full moon yeah. will be out there yeah. at the river yeah and we'll the coyotes shaking. going It's shaking
2: while howling
3: okay okay it's happening let's we'll go. send you a video oh my god we'll send you a cringy <laughs> cringy video
2: Perfect. Uh, (laughs) I'm going to be waiting.
3: (laughs) Normalize the cringe. Normalize the cringe. Amazing. All right, dinner.
1: Bring us home, buddy. Yeah. So actually, we always like to ask our guests um, this last question. Zach and I uh, started this podcast um, because we wanted to, you know, have cool stories of people like yourself doing inspiring things and normalizing weirdness and all Mm -hmm. of the good stuff. But we call it A Little More Good because that's what we wanted to be about. We want to see that in the world. We want to put that out in the world. But we always always like to know, like, what does that sentiment or that phrase mean to you a little more good?
2: Doing at least one thing a day for somebody else or even for yourself. Just being kind and spreading the kindness. I know that's corny, but like even complimenting a stranger, like it can make their whole day. You never know what kind of day someone's having.
3: I love it. I love it. Well, thank you. Thank you, Ashley. Thank you for, for being you and, and for, for holding the space that you hold and, and sharing your story with all of us.
2: Thank you for having me. My second podcast ever. I said I'd never do one again, but I did it for you.
3: Here, Here you we are. go. Thanks, Ashley. Stepping into those uncomfortable no places.
2: Exactly. Yes. Thank you. One thank thing you. at a time.
1: All right. Well, there you have it, folks one and only Ashley Chisholm I mean powerful conversation from her own story of you know embracing change through sobriety recognizing you know the need to uh, live into plant-based tenants and how that's become such a part of who she is veganism is central to her story and her message and then also like this radical life revelation and change that took place as she, struggled and found her way to this new understanding of her identity and who she is and the kind of the relational navigation that that took. I mean, that's,
3: it's pretty wild. Yes. It's a wild story she shared. Yeah. Living, walking that hero's journey. Mm hmm. So if you enjoyed that one, be sure to follow Ashley fit and compassionate on the IG. Yeah. She also has pink moon socials, which is her rapidly growing, uh, inspiring, amazing, uh, social media company where she's helping, Individuals and small businesses uh, manage and grow their social content. Um, yeah, be sure to give those both a follow. And if you enjoyed this conversation, share it with a friend, share it with a neighbor, cousin, uncle, grandma, grandpa, sister, brother, whoever you know. Share That's it with right. someone that you think this this message and this story will resonate with. And you know, if you're feeling feeling friendly, uh, throw up a like, a review. Uh, wherever you listen to this podcast, Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever your your earbuds, earbuds are connected to.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much, y'all. We appreciate you. We'll see you next week. Peace.
0: Have a catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row